Okay, so we're continuing today with all these various transgressions and the offerings when offers to again become, as we said, an offering means karov, karban, karov, become close to God, which is what happens with the offerings. There's actually that the offerings in a sense are higher than a commandment and even higher than Torah. Offerings in a sense predate Torah. Like we see that before the Jews were given the Torah, they were already offerings to God. And even before the first Jew, so to speak, Abraham offered, we see Noah offered offerings to God. So offerings really, in a sense, are higher than Tyra, predating them. And an offering might seem like what's the day? It might seem like another spiritual act, a prayer, a spiritual contemplation, meditation, uh, taking an animal and cutting in pieces, flaying it, skinning it, sprinkling its blood. This seems like something a non-Jew could do, a Gentile could do, an idolater could do the same way to his idols, and it doesn't like a very holy act. But that's sort of the point, that when we're doing something that seems so not specifically godly, but God says, yes, in this I'm showing my love for you. Because it's not because of how great you are and how wonderful your mind is and how wonderful your heart is. You're doing a series of acts that, that a Gentile could do the same way. But I choose you. I love you. This offering predates, has a transcendency over Torah. And therefore, if you transgress one of the laws of Tyra through the offering, I will feel such love for you, I'll bring you forgiveness. So the verse says, 27, if an individual person from among the people of the land shall sin unintentionally by committing one of the commandments of God that may not be done, and he becomes guilty. If the sin that he committed becomes known to him, he shall bring as his offering a she-goat, unblemished, for the sin that he committed. He shall lean his hands on the head of the sin offering, and he shall slaughter the sin offering in the place of the Ola offering. Remember, the Ola is an offering that's completely burnt. The Kain, the priest, shall take from his blood with his forefinger and place it on the corners of the altar for the animal offering. And he shall pour all of his remaining blood on the base of that altar. He shall remove all of its fat, as the fat has been removed from upon the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall cause it to go up in smoke on the altar as a satisfying aroma to God. And the priest shall provide him atonement and it shall be forgiven him. So Rashi says that just as when the verse says that we just remove the fat, just as it's removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, that just like we specified parts of the goat, which are mentioned in regard with the peace offering, so too those same specified parts here. If he should bring a sheep as his offering, until now we're talking about a she-goat. Now we're switching and we're talking about a sheep. If he should bring a sheep as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female unblemished. He shall lean his hands upon the head of the sin offering. He shall slaughter for it for a sin offering in the place where he would slaughter the Ola offering. He shall slaughter the sin offering, meaning he should have that intent. He can't slaughter it spacing out or thinking it's for a different offering. It has to be slaughtered with the intention this is a sin offering. The priest shall take from the blood of the sin offering with his forefinger and place it on the corners of the altar for the animal sacrifices. And he shall pour all of its remaining blood on the base of the altar. And he shall remove all of its fat as the fat of the sheep that will be removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall cause him to go up and smoke on the altar on the fires of God. And the priest shall provide him atonement for the sin that he has committed and shall be forgiven him. So here, we're saying, by the he-goat, 
we said that, sorry, it was a she-goat, by the she-goat, we said that the same pieces that are offered in the peace offering are offered in this sin offering. And the same thing is true with the sheep. When we're now offering a sheep for this transgressionary offering, we offer the same parts of the sheep that were specified in terms of the peace offering. So what's the difference between the she-goat and the she-sheep? The tail. That's the difference. That by the sheep, we offer the fat tail with the sin offering, though by the goat for the sin offering, we do not offer the tail. It says, on the fires of God, meaning on the several piles of wood that are placed on the altar. There were like at least three different piles of wood there, and on each of them we have pieces of this sheep, all of these different piles made for the sake of God. If a person will sin and will hear the sound of an oath, and he is witness, either he saw or he knew, if he does not testify, he shall bear his guilt. Meaning, Rashi says, there's something that you're a witness of. And they gave you an oath. Do you know testimony in favor of this litigant that you should testify in his behalf? So the person, new testimony, was made to swear in court and did not give the testimony. This is the transgression for which he now needs to bring the sacrifice. Or, if a person will have touched any impure object, whether the impure carcass carcass of a beast, the impure carcass of an animal, or the impure carcass of a creeping animal, that was concealed from him, and he is impure, and he had become guilty. So in this situation, this person touched some type of animal that made him impure, and then after this impurity, he ate from the sacrifices for which you have to be holy. Or he entered the temple for which you have to be holy. So in either of those situations, if the person knew they were impure and knowingly knew they were eating from the sacrifices or knowingly went into the temple, a person would be punished with extinction of the soul. It's a very severe transgression. But here it was unintentional. And in this case of this unintentional transgression of these very severe acts, this is exactly the type of situation we said yesterday when we explained when does one bring this sin offering. And we said exactly this rule. If it was intentional, you would get kares, this extinction of the soul. And if it's unintentional, as in our cases here, you offer this sin offering. And it was concealed from you. Well, that means that's why it's unintentional. You didn't realize you became impure. And you became guilty. Well, becoming guilty means after you were impure, but you didn't know about it, you ate something sacred or you entered the temple. So it was concealed from you. You didn't know you're not pure. And then you became guilty by doing something for which you need to be pure. So at this point, you have to offer a guilt offering. That's why we're using the word guilty. You became guilty. You have to offer a guilt offering. So the verse continues. Or if he will touch a human impurity through any manner of his impurity, which makes him impure through it, but it was concealed from him. And if he knew, and he became guilty. So human impurity is if someone touches a dead body. That's a human impurity. But it says for any means of impurity, because that would mean there could be other situations by, through human contact you become impure, which is touching a man and a woman, a zav or a zava who have a discharge that causes them to be impure, if you touch them, you also become impure. So it made you impure, or this includes also, Rashi explains, someone who touches someone who had relationships with a woman 
who was a Nita, who could not have relation, marital relations at that point. And through it includes someone who swallows meat from the carcass of a pure bird, a kosher bird, but it was not ritually slaughtered. And it was concealed to him. He didn't know. He forgot that he was impure. And then he became guilty because, again, either he ate something sacred or he entered the temple. So the person did one of these things, like, for example, let's take the first example, he touched the carcass of a human body. He's impure. And then he forgets. Meaning he forgot that, okay, he's impure and he has to wait, then he has to go to, to the mikvah to purify himself and the ritual immersion, he forgot. And then he goes to the temple. Uh-oh, if he remembered and did all this knowingly, he'd right now have the severe issue of extinction of the soul. But he forgot, and that's why he's offering this guilt offering. The next word. Or if a person will swear, expressing by lips to do harm or to do good. Anything that a person will express in an oath, but it was concealed from him and he knew and he became guilty regarding one of these matters. So we're not, the verse that says by lips, meaning it wasn't only in his heart. He literally articulated this. Because someone made a commitment, but it was in his heart, it doesn't have the same status of an oath, and therefore it wouldn't have the same transgression if he goes against it. So he either committed to harm himself or to do good for himself, meaning he either swore he's going to eat and he didn't, or he swore he's not going to eat, and he did. He swore he's going to sleep, or he swore he's not going to sleep. So in other words, any of those things are permissible. You're allowed to sleep, and you're allowed to not sleep, and you're allowed to eat, and you're allowed to not eat. But the problem is he didn't keep his oath. So for anything a person will express, meaning even something that happened in the past, normally an oath, of course, is about involving something to do with the future, but anything the person will express means even an oath about the past. But it was concealed from him, and then he transgressed the oath. So all of these oaths, if again, someone made this oath and then forgot about it and then transgressed it, he has to bring a certain type of offering, an offering of ascending and descending order based on how much money he could spend, how much Torah would deem he could spend on the offering. But if the oath involves a denial of money, meaning it's a financial claim, then he doesn't have to bring this offering he has to bring instead the guilt offering we were discussing earlier. When one shall become guilty regarding one of these matters, he shall confess what he has sinned. He shall bring us his guilt offering to God for his sin that he committed a female from the flock, a sheep or a goat, for a sin offering. And a priest shall provide for him atonement for his sin. But if his means are insufficient for a sheep or a goat, then he shall bring us his guilt offering for that which he sinned, the turtle dove, the young dove, the god, one for sin offering and one for the burnt offering, the Ola. So this is what Rashi meant by saying that this type of offering is ascending or descending, meaning this is an offering that, based on three different money classifications, how much your financial resources are, that would determine if you're going to offer two animals, and of course it's a tremendous amount of money, or if you have less money than that, to birds, or if you have less money than that, to flower offerings. Any one of these three things, it could be two animals, huge financial amount, it could be two birds, it could be two flower offerings. It depends purely on your financial resources, and each of these, for the person who's giving it appropriately, brings the same atonement for his transgression. Um, so Rashi said, so here we have a person who cannot afford two sheep or two goats. So he's bringing 
to birds, to turtle doves or to young doves. He shall bring them to the priest and he shall offer first the one that is the sin offering. That's what we offer first for the sin. He shall perform this malika, this like cutting at the nape of the neck, at its nape with his finger, as we discussed earlier. He like cuts off from to dismember the bird's head, but not separate it. So Rashi says that we have two offerings here. For any one of these issues that you have to offer a guilt offering, you have two offerings, one for the sin and one the ola. Again, the ola is the offering that's completely burnt to God. So you always first offer the sin offering and then the ola. Why? Because it's just like if someone came before the king and you wanted to appease the king because you were representing someone that the king was upset with, first you advocate to appease the king. And then once the king is appeased, then you give him a gift. First, we're offering the sin offering in atonement for this accidental, but very severe transgression. And once we offer our sin offering and we're appeased in this way, we bring the oila, which is like the gift to God. It's like a free will gift, but here it's mandatory. Because you're completely burning this animal or this bird or this handful of flower to God, saying it's a gift for us to be even closer than we ever were before. So it says that the priest is taking his finger, his thumb, and at the nape of the bird's neck, severing it there. That's how we ritually slaughter this bird. But it's not separating, meaning he's not completely severing the head from the body. He's just separating it, separating some of it on one side. Now, when it says that he's doing this severing act at the nape of the neck of the bird, the Rashi explains this is like the high part of the head that slopes towards the neck. It's like facing the back of the head, which is the length of the entire back of the neck. He shall sprinkle from the blood of the sin offering upon the wall of the altar, and the remainder of the blood he shall squeeze out for the base of the altar, it is a sin offering. So he's taking this, the priest is taking this blood of a sin offering, and he is sprinkling and squeezing it. He holds the bird and sprinkles it, and the blood gets sprinkled toward the altar. Later, when we're going to offer the ola offering, that the bird or the animal was completely burnt up, we don't sprinkle and squeeze the blood. We only squeeze out the blood. This is a sin offering, and as we learned before, the same will apply. You have to offer it with the intent that this is being offered for the sake of a sin offering. If you offer it not for its sake, maybe you got confused and you're thinking you were doing your oil offering now or your peace offering now, the whole thing is invalid. You have to be focused and know what you're offering and for what you're offering. <laughs>